Good to see everyone here tonight. I'm thankful to, to be here tonight to study a portion of God's Word together. It's always my hope and prayer that what I have to present uh, will be from the Word of God and it will help you in your walk with Christ. I want to tell you up front tonight that uh, the sermon I've prepared is something I'm very passionate about. Um, there are times whenever I get passionate, it might seem I get a little upset. I want to tell you I'm not upset. Uh, I'm just very passionate about the, the topic that, uh, that we're going to study tonight. Uh, if you looked on the, uh, the slide before services, you noticed we're going to talk about I am not ashamed. And I appreciate Joel reading that for us. Before we get into that, though, I want to, uh, there we go. I want to ask you uh, the opposite question. I want to ask you tonight, what are you ashamed of? You know, we all have different things in our life that we look at that we're ashamed of. And there's a few areas I think that, you know, most of us can narrow it, it down to. Uh, the first thing I would say is probably bad experiences. Um, a few years ago, uh, when Michaela and I were dating, this was near the beginning of our relationship. Uh, I would always come by her dorm to pick her up uh, to take her to church on Sunday mornings. And there was a rainy day that, that Sunday morning. It was pretty rainy. And so I, you know, brought an umbrella and, uh, you know, we huddled together and we kind of, you know, went to the car and everything. And so I, I let her, you know, inside the car uh, in the passenger door. I'm doing what I can, you know. And I thought it was a good idea at that point. Well, you know, I'm done with the umbrella, so I'm just going to, you know, close it up. And, and there was a lot of water on the umbrella, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, let the water out. Well, it turns out I, I let the water out on Michaela's head uh, and, you know, she just got all water all over her. And this was on the way before church. And I want to tell you, I felt terrible about that. I still have nightmares to this day about that experience. You know, we, we think about that. Um, there's just different experiences that we're ashamed of. And I know Michaela's forgot, uh, forgiven me about that. But, you know, that can be, you know, we talk about it from a silly aspect. There's bad experiences that we're ashamed of. And we think about it um, from the standpoint of the past. We look at the rearview mirror of our life and there's things that we are ashamed of that we don't want to talk about that make us feel bad because we're guilty. And we think more specifically about our sin. We think about the decisions that we make from day to day and in our past and we feel terrible about those things because we're ashamed of it. And we realize in the song we just sang that we realize that we are ashamed because we hear our mocking voice in the crowd because that's what our sin did to Jesus. And when we sing that song, I hope we mean that. We're ashamed of that because we realize it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And we think about different things that we're ashamed of. And I would say that's at the very top of the list. But I want to ask you, what are you not ashamed of? What are you not ashamed of? I believe the answer all of us would say is that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. Yes, I'm ashamed that it was my sin that put Him on the cross, but I am not ashamed that there was a way that God gave us Jesus Christ in a plan of salvation. And that's exactly what Paul preached to the church in Rome. And that's what I want to study tonight is this idea that Paul preached that I am not Ashamed. I want to go to Romans chapter 1 to begin tonight. Uh, we'll start in verse number 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just 
shall live by faith. Now to give you some context about this passage, uh, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. And as Joel read for us, Paul had desired to come to Rome for a long time. But he had been doing church work elsewhere, uh, preaching the gospel. But now he was able to come and he tells them basically that there is a need for the gospel in Rome. There's many people in Rome. We understand that Rome uh, was the you know high power, quote unquote, at the time. There was many people who needed to hear the gospel. And Paul says in the first prior that he says, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is not ashamed. And we're going to look at passages tonight from Paul to many congregations, to the churches, and explaining how he is not ashamed of the gospel. But I want to ask us tonight, is this our mentality? Is this our mentality, just like Paul, that when we stand before people, that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus? Because that should be our mentality. That should be our mindset, day in and day out, as we go around uh, different places in the work in the community. So I want to talk about this tonight. We're going to have three different points. Number one, I want to talk about remembering the gospel and its impact. Number two, we'll look at living a life of confession and we'll close out tonight by fulfilling our mission, talking about fulfilling our mission. So I want to start tonight by uh, talking about remembering the gospel and its impact. If we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He begins in the first verse saying, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So he begins this chapter by telling them he's presenting the gospel to them. And he says, It's by the gospel that you are saved, if you keep in memory. You see, it's not just enough to, uh, to think about the gospel and then forget about it. You must keep it in memory. You have to think about it on the forefront of your mind. And he goes on in verses 3 through 4 and says, For I delivered unto you the first of all which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. We understand as Christians that the gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We understand that we obeyed the gospel in baptism. But I want to tell you that it's not enough just to obey the gospel. We have to remember it. We have to remember its impact. And I want to take you back in our mind's eye to the gospel for just a moment. Do you remember the gospel? We remember our Savior was whipped and beaten. We remember our Savior had a crown of thorns placed upon His head. We remember that our Savior carried a cross to Calvary. We remember that our Savior was crucified and nailed to a cross. We remember that our Savior died on the cross. And we also remember that our Savior was buried after He was crucified. And that's the Gospel. That's the Gospel. We understand that several were ashamed of Jesus as He was about to die. They were ashamed of Jesus. They did not want to recognize Jesus. They did not want to say that they knew Jesus. But all along that time, Jesus was not ashamed. Jesus knew what He came to do. He prayed that the Father's will would be done, and He went, and He was not ashamed of that. And we know that after that, that He was buried. And you know, there were many people, I, I would dare to say that there were many people that we're rejoicing when he was buried. We're thinking that truly this was not the Son of God. Truly, he wasn't say who he was. Truly, there is 
No such thing as salvation. There's no such thing as hope because this guy is dead. But we know the last part of the gospel is that our Savior rose again the third day. You see, Jesus not only was crucified, He was not only buried, but He proved what He did. He proved what He said He was going to do and He was buried and He resurrected the third day. That tomb was left empty. And many people want to discredit and say that all these types of things happen. But we know as Christians, that is the gospel. And we remember the gospel every day of our lives. And we should. But I want to ask you, do you remember the impact the gospel has? What about the impact the gospel has? All these things have an impact. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says in verse number 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved through faith. The gospel has a huge impact. We see in verses 12 and 13 it says, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. The impact of the gospel is amazing. It's amazing. It shows what God did for mankind in giving us Jesus Christ, His Son. That's the gospel. We think about the darkness that we were a part of. We think about our terrible sinful state when we were serving sin. You know what happened in that time? God had Jesus stretch forth His nail-pierced hand to give us Himself. That's the gospel. That's the impact the gospel has. Do you remember the impact? Do you remember the gospel? In Romans chapter 1, what we just read, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want to tell you the gospel is the most powerful message that we have access to today. It says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. That's how impactful the gospel is. It has a huge impact on all of mankind. Huge. But we see in verse number 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. We understand that Jesus Christ died. And we understand that God does not tolerate sin. And so what Jesus came to do is He came to let the wrath of God pour on Himself. He came so that He could take our sin upon Himself. You see, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. And so the solution was that Jesus would come and take upon that wrath. That's the gospel. Do you remember the gospel? In 2 Thessalonians 1, we see, furthermore, in verse 7, and to give you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is a passage that says we should take comfort in. 
It says, you who are troubled, rest with us. Because there's going to come a day where God's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And those who do not obey the gospel, Jesus will take vengeance on them in flaming fire. In verse number 9, it says, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints, to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Everlasting destruction from the presence of God. I think about the different individuals that I've come across with in my life. There was a while back when I was uh, about a freshman in high school or so around that age. Um, I know I've mentioned this before, but um, I had a friend who it was a childhood friend and we would uh, play basketball together. I wasn't the greatest basketball player, but I just enjoyed uh, having time with him and, and, and really enjoying him. And there was a day where uh, my mom comes into my room and tells me, you know, he's died. He's dead. And my immediate thought was, you know, I never told him about Jesus. I never told him about the gospel. And I think, and I've heard, that, I've heard it mentioned uh, before, but I think sometimes what it comes down to is sometimes we just really don't believe that people are lost. There's a lot of people out there that are lost, that are going to have everlasting destruction. There's family members that you and I both know. There's co-workers that you and I both know. There are people we know that are going to be in everlasting destruction if they do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to talk about the impact the gospel has? We need to understand the impact the gospel has. It'll save anyone's soul. And we need to remember that and the impact the gospel has. And by remembering it, we must profess the gospel with our life by confessing Jesus. In Matthew chapter 10, we're familiar with this verse. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, Jesus says this, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. A lot of times we use this verse to talk about uh, you know, professing the name of Jesus with our mouth. And I want to tell you that's important. But I want to show you what this word means, confess. It comes from the Greek word uh, homolio, homoligio, pardon me, from uh, the Greek word homohu and also lego, which is speak to a conclusion. It's properly to voice the same conclusion, agree or confess, to profess because in full agreement uh, to align, uh, which is basically to endorse. It's good that we profess Jesus with our mouth. I want to tell you that's a great thing. But I believe this verse is talking about something much deeper than just speaking with, uh, speaking uh, Jesus, talking about Jesus. And I believe uh, Barnes puts it uh, very plainly. Now, I don't typically like to, uh, to put quotes from commentaries, but I believe Barnes really summarizes it very well here. It says, We must be ashamed neither of the person, the character, the doctrines, nor the requirements of Christ. If we are, if we deny Him in these things before people, if we are unwilling to express our attachment to Him in every way possible, then it is right that He should disown all connection with us or deny us before God, and He will do it. 
You see, it's not just about the words that we speak, but it's about the actions that we are a part of. It's about aligning our thoughts with the gospel, aligning our thoughts with the doctrines of Christ. You see, our life should confess the gospel. Our life should profess Jesus is the Lord and Savior. That's what our life should do. And by doing so, we should not be ashamed. We should not be ashamed of the gospel and we should not be ashamed of Jesus and His teachings. And that's what our life needs to show is the gospel. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writing to Timothy here, he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So this is Paul writing to Timothy and he mentions that his family had faith. His family evidently, we see here, confessed. They had a life of confession of Jesus Christ. They lived after Jesus Christ. And he says that he wants to encourage Timothy to do the same thing. He says, therefore I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The gift of God, I believe that he's referring to here, is the office that Timothy has gone into, which is to be an evangelist. And I want to tell you, maybe none of us are quote-unquote evangelists here tonight, but every single one of us tonight are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And we must stir up the gift of God that God has given to us and the opportunities that He gives to us just to be like Timothy. Just to confess our life with Jesus Christ. And that's what Timothy did. And that's what Paul told him to do. We continue on in verse number 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. I want to look at this phrase, spirit of fear. That word fear uh, literally means to be timid. In other words, where you're just not committed, you're not uh, courageous uh, to, to, to tell people about Jesus. You're timid, you're slow to do so. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, we shouldn't be like that. He says, Timothy, you shouldn't have the spirit of fear, but instead you should have power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I believe uh, there's a lot of areas uh, that fear can come from in our lives, but it, I want to narrow it down to just three tonight. Just three. I believe there's three areas that might, uh, when we dwell on these three areas, it may cause us to fear and have that spirit of fear. Uh, number one is damaging our job status and relationship. Now, I want to tell you, we, we need to support our families as husbands, as, as fathers. We're commanded to do that. So it's not just good enough to just go tell everyone about Jesus and try to lose your job. That's not what I'm saying. And it's important that we also have good relationships with those that are around us to be more effective in teaching them the gospel. But never at the expense of never telling them about the gospel. You see, a lot of times what happens is when we're at work, whenever we're with other people, we have the spirit of fear because we're worried what they're going to have to say. We're worried that we're going to lose our job. We're worried that we're going to damage the relationship. And so we decide to never go forth and tell the gospel to them. We decide to maybe hold back our life and making good decisions that align with the teachings of Christ as we talked about. I want to ask you tonight, is this you? I think this is all of us at some point in our life. But we need to make sure that it's about the gospel. It's not about the spirit of fear, but it's about the gospel. Number two is the awkward situation. Um, a few years ago when I was in Amarillo, um, there was someone I was at work with 
And I decided that it would be a really good idea to just try to study with him. I, I really thought it would be a good idea. And it, it took a little bit of time because I was really worried about what he was going to say. I was really worried that it was just going to be an awkward situation. And so I just delayed that process. But one day I said, you know what? I really need to do this. I need to really get, overcome fear and, and go talk to him about Jesus. And I decided to do that. And right away he said, absolutely, I want to study the Bible with you. And we went on and, and studied the Bible together. But it goes to show you that sometimes our fear, it tries to lead us to not do it. And a lot of times that fear is something that wouldn't even happen. We're so worried about the awkward conversation, the awkward feeling, that a lot of times that's not even what happens. It's that someone is willing to accept that and study with us and to come to church with us. And so I want to tell you that these types of things are coming from a spirit of fear. And we must not let that happen. And number three is persecution. We don't want to, um, we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we're going to get called names. We don't want someone to talk bad about us. We don't want to go down these routes. And a lot of times all that is is just a spirit of fear. But notice what Paul says here. He says that we should not have a spirit of fear. God has not given us that spirit of fear, but He's given us power. If you look at that word power, it's the same word from Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16 that we read. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. That word power, we understand that the power comes from God's word. It comes from God's word. It's the power of God to defeat enemies and to save souls. That way when we're around other people, we're not worried about them. We're not worried about the spirit of fear that we may have, but we know that the power of God is behind us because it's God's word. It's not our word, it's God's word. And we know that eventually it can lead them to salvation. That's the power that God has given to us through his word. We see of love. Love for God and mankind in response to the gospel. We see in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. Both of these uh, word love is referring to agape love, self-sacrificial love, where the uh, mindset is shifted from us to the soul, where it's no longer about us, but it's about the person that we're with. In perfect love, it says, cast out fear. When we finally change the mindset that we ought to have, we have love for everyone. Or we should have love for everyone. Love for God because of what He's done for us, and it's His gospel. And love for mankind because that's who the gospel was for. But we also see He's given us a spirit, uh, or He's given us of a sound mind. Sound mind, what... What that means is, is just really making judgments with proper understanding, with discipline, not having clouded judgment. In Psalm 119, verse 80, this is from the King James. It says, let not my heart be sound in thy statutes that I be not ashamed. If you look up that word sound, uh, that means um, blameless. So basically, the point is that we wouldn't have this preconceived idea that's leading us away from telling people about the gospel that we would make the proper judgments and decisions, that we would discipline our thoughts, discipline ourselves, where we can see clearly what God has given to us as an opportunity to tell people about Jesus with our life. That's what he's getting at here. And therefore, we will not be ashamed. It says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, because he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us the proper tools that we need to tell people about Jesus and lead them to Christ 
through our actions, words, and our thoughts. We must not be ashamed to live a life of confession. We must not be ashamed. And finally tonight, I want to end on this point. Fulfilling our mission. Fulfilling our mission. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, continuing on uh, with what we just read in 2 Timothy. Now we're going to start in verse number 8. It says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We'll move on in just a moment. We see here that the gospel is not about us. It's about, it says, according to His own purpose and grace. Now, Jesus, I want to tell you, made the gospel about us. That's what Jesus did. He came to this life, to this earth, to die for us. But we understand we need to make the gospel about Him. We have to get out of the way, you see, because it's about Him. It says, according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. If we shift our mindset according to what we need to in the gospel and not our own selves, we can get somewhere and we can fulfill our mission. We see some admonition here in verse number 8. It says, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me His prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. The disadvantage I want to tell you up front about being a Christian, the disadvantage is that you're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to suffer. But I want to tell you that that comes with an advantage. You know, us as the body of Christ, we understand that we are to suffer together. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. You understand that Paul laid his life out for the Lord and was willing to put himself in terrible situations to tell people about Jesus. And there's going to be sufferings, and there's going to be persecution. But understand this, that you're not alone in that. That the world does not hate us, but it hates the one who came before us. It hates the name of Jesus. And we're going to have to suffer, but that is a good thing, and we must be willing to do so. In verse number 10 it says, But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. We see that Jesus came to what? He says, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. He what? He had abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. That's our mission. It's to show that light that Jesus has brought to us. We think about our life and the people we come into contact with. This is just representing us. And these are the people that we come into contact with. I'm afraid a lot of times what happens and what stops us from fulfilling our mission is that we see the persecution and the suffering that's going to come. We see that we're about to be uncomfortable. And so what we do a lot of times is we just walk away ashamed. We say, I don't really don't want to deal with that. I'm really not ready for that. And so we just walk away and we're ashamed. You know why? It's because we see the persecution and the suffering. But once again, what's it always been about? It's not about the persecution. 
It's not about the suffering. What is it about? It's about the gospel. It's about the gospel. The gospel that sheds light, that brings light. And so if we shed or if we uh, shift our focus to that, then we should not hesitate. But we know that there are souls out there that need to hear the gospel message. And we should not hesitate in telling them about the gospel. Yes, we need to uh, be wise in, in our approach. I understand that. But we should understand that there are souls at stake. There are souls that are lost and that need to hear the gospel message. And that's what it's about. It's about the gospel. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, it says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know, that, uh, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. It's for this reason that we suffer. It's for the purpose of teaching people about the gospel and suffering for the gospel's sake. He says, nevertheless, I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. Until judgment day comes, we have a mission. We have a mission to tell people about Jesus and his gospel message. Are you ready to fulfill that mission until death comes? Until judgment day comes? Because you can be committed to that cause and you can know that it's not in vain. You can know that you can suffer for the gospel's sake and glorify God in doing so. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, and beginning in verse number 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should what? Should shine on them. You see, it's dark. It's dark everywhere we go. There's people doing terrible things. But the gospel brings light. It brings light to those that want to hear the gospel. We need to shine that light. In 2 Corinthians 4, continuing on, verse number 5, for we do not preach ourselves. Once again, it's not about ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing that in this darkness that God's light can shine? He's given us that light in our hearts so we can therefore portray His light to others, not because of ourselves, but because of Him, but because of the gospel that He's given to us. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to fulfill your mission in shining the light of Christ? In 1 Peter chapter 4, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. We'll stop here for just a moment. One of the greatest blessings in telling people about Jesus and living our life for Jesus is that it brings glory and honor to His name. And it says that the spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. Jesus told us when He gave us the great commission that He said He would never leave us. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, amen. You see, you might feel alone in this dark world, but there's someone right behind you. There's someone right beside you. And it's the person that gave us the gospel. It's the person that died for our sins. And we can know that Jesus is with us and that the Spirit of God rests upon us and that will help us and enable us to fulfill our mission. In verse number 16, it says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter 
for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? We need to remember the souls are at stake that we're talking to. The souls are at stake that we're with. What's the judgment going to be for them? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Commit their souls and do not be ashamed. This is us. This is us. Are we teaching the gospel? Are we spreading the gospel? I want to tell you that there are going to be many people that we talk to that don't want to obey the gospel. And I want to tell you that's a very sad thing. It's a very hard thing to get past, to know that someone would reject the gospel of Jesus when we bring that to them. But I want to tell you there is nothing greater, <laughs> there's absolutely nothing greater than when someone chooses to accept the gospel and to obey the gospel of Jesus. And all those people that reject us, I want to tell you it'll be worth it all when that one person decides to obey the gospel and to obey the Lord in baptism. But how are they going to do that, brothers and sisters, if we're not willing to show the gospel to them? How are they going to do that? You see, if we're just going to see the persecution and the suffering that comes our way and we want to walk away from that, I want to tell you, there are souls at stake and there's people that will not obey the gospel because you decided not to tell them. And so instead of seeing the persecution, we need to fully commit ourselves to fulfilling our mission and spreading the gospel. And I want to tell you, uh, that's a very hard thing to do sometimes. But know that the Spirit of God rests upon you. Know that Jesus Christ is with you all along. I want to go back to what Paul told to the church in Rome in verse number 15 of chapter 1. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. You see, Paul had a mindset that I think we should all have. He was ready. He understood what was between him and someone else. He understood what his mission was, and that was the gospel, to preach the gospel. And he was willing to put himself in terrible situations. And that's why he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because he was ready. He was willing to make the mindset about Jesus. And not about his own self. About his own life. As we kneel before the cross of our Savior, Jesus. What do you see? Do you see a Savior that gave us his life? Do you see a Savior that was willing to give us everything? I want to tell you that there's others kneeling before that same cross. You have your brothers and sisters with you. But Jesus asked us to take other people before the cross, to show other people Jesus, to show other people His grace, His goodness, His mercy, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as you... As you see the cross of Jesus, I want you, all of us, to remember the gospel, but to remember our mission in telling people about it. We must not be ashamed 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I appreciate your patience tonight. As I mentioned, this is something I'm, I'm passionate about. Um, and it's something that I think all of us, um, especially me, can take to heart and to work on. And if you haven't obeyed the gospel, tonight that's your biggest priority, I want to tell you. It should be your biggest priority. And to come to Jesus and be saved, for He died for you. But many of us here who have already obeyed the gospel, we understand that when the gospel sermon was first preached in Acts chapter 2, what did those 3,000 souls do after they were baptized? It says they went away rejoicing. They went away rejoicing. I want to tell you, some of those people were the very ones that killed our Savior. But they knew that they had a hope in heaven and they were willing to share that with others. Brothers and sisters, we have a great opportunity to share the gospel with Jesus or to share the gospel of Christ with other people. And I want to encourage you to do that. Do that every day of your life. Not just by word, but by thought, by deed, showing that we are giving the glory to God and not ourselves. And if we can help you in that and pray for you, we want to do that and uplift you tonight and help you in that way. Maybe, um, maybe you've fallen away as a Christian. Maybe you need uh, to be restored. Maybe you need that salvation. And the blood of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, remains there for you to cover you where you can enter heaven one day with Him. If you'd like to become a child of God or request the prayers of the church, please come have a seat on the front row as we stand and sing a song of invitation.